Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. We often let our emotions drive us, and while that's not what we want, God knows how to use it for His glory. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that God uses trials to bring us closer to Him. He wants us to rely on Him, and it's during those rough periods that we become so much more aware of how much we truly need Him. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on March 12, 2023. Uh, we need the talk. Don't you hate it when somebody says, we need to talk? You know it's not good. Well, we need to talk. I know I'm the one doing all the talking, but we still need to talk. And this is one of those updates that I'm just going to have to ask you for your grace and your patience with me. It is my hope and my prayer that today's update will be an encouragement to those like myself, who have been really struggling as of late. Struggling because of how people today, even worse, many professing Christians today, are living life as if the end were far away, decades away. And when this happens, what ensues is what always ensues, which is that of being unprepared, believing that the end is unexpected. That's what I want to talk about today. Now, please know that when I say unprepared, I'm in no way referring to prepping in the sense of how it's understood by the prepper. Rather, I'm using this word in the context of being at the ready for that which one is expecting to happen suddenly at any time. Specifically, the rapture of the church prior to the tribulation, the Antichrist's revelation, and then the commencement of the seven-year tribulation. By way of a personal illustration, we had an unexpected electricity outage in our home a couple of weeks ago. I'm not talking about when we had those high winds. This was prior to that. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, out goes our electricity. So I'm kind of waiting, thinking, oh, it'll, it'll come back on and I didn't. Completely caught me off guard. I was so not prepared. 
Why was I not prepared? Because I wasn't expecting it. It was beautiful outside. Wind? No, trade winds. Beautiful. Electricity goes out. So I'm trying to, oh, by the way, well, never mind. I was going to tell you where I was at. Well, now I have to. I was in the bathroom when it went out. Talk about not being ready or expecting it. Is that too much information? I'm sorry. So, you know, thank God for these devices that, you know, not Satan's devices, although one would wonder, but they have flashlights on them now. So I I turned it on, made my way out of the uh, bathroom (laughs) and uh, to darkness. And I'm like, okay, let's get the flashlights. The problem is we were so unprepared, I forgot where we put the flashlights, right? Because you put the flashlights in that place that you want to remember where you put them when you need them, except you don't remember because you forget to remember and you, anyway, so can't find that. And then when we finally find these things, guess what? Thank you. The batteries are dead. And here's the thing. I have one of those battery backups, you know, that charges. And then when the electricity goes off, you got a battery backup that can run a few things for a little while. Well, that thing was dead too. So what did I do? Well, being the godly man of faith that I am, I just fell to the floor and cried like a baby. (laughs) Just, you know, (laughs) how could I not be prepared? So It came on six hours later, and what did I do? I bought 585,000 flashlights and lanterns and five boxes of batteries, and, and then it took me like two hours to put them all together, but now I was ready. I was like, bring it on. Probably shouldn't have said that, because it was brought on. The high winds, And sure enough, the electricity goes out again. But this time, I was prepared. Why was I prepared? Because I was expecting it. You see where I'm going with this? So too is this true when it comes to the rapture of the church, such that When one is expecting of it, so too are they prepared for it. But we have a problem. And I struggle greatly with this. I'm just sharing my heart. The Lord knows my heart. But the problem is that there's this settling into a business-as-usual mindset. And it just has crept back in, and in turn it has severed one's expectation of Christ's soon return. And here's why. We're all prone to buy the lie. What's the lie? Oh, the lie is that there's still hope for the things in this world getting better and 
returning to normal. In other words, instead of Jesus returning, a normal business as usual is returning. And what's the result? Well, the result is now that the rapture is pushed further down the road, so to speak, and it's seen as being far off into the future. In Jeremiah chapter 37, verses 1 through 10, fascinating account, and I think it's so apropos for us today. Let me give you kind of the backstory here. The Babylonians had just departed from their siege of Jerusalem, and they had to go to Egypt. And the result was that the Israelites believed that, hey, everything's good now. It's not the end as Jeremiah has been prophesying all of these doom and gloom prophecy updates. So what do they do? They start living their normal everyday lives again. I mean, after all, the restrictions have been lifted. They don't even have to wear a mask. (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that in. Well, this led to Judah not only fancying this notion that it's not the end, they started believing that they could make Judah great again. However, despite this semblance of normalcy and returning to their business as usual lives, the Babylonians would in fact return, just as the prophet Jeremiah had prophesied the word of the Lord. I want to read beginning in verse 6, Jeremiah 37. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me. Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come up to help you, will return to Egypt to their own land, and the Chaldeans, Babylonians, shall come back and fight against this city and take it, and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, verse 9. I want you to listen very carefully to this. Do not deceive yourselves, saying, the Chaldeans will surely depart from us, for they will not depart. Picture the scene here. They've been under this lockdown restrictions. The Babylonians had besieged the city outside Jerusalem, the city wall. They could not move, travel, nothing. In fact, they had already cut off their food supply and their water supply, which is how they would take a city in that day. Not much has changed in our day in the spiritual sense. That's exactly what the enemy does. He wants to cut off the food supply, the bread of life, the water supply, the water of God's Word in our life. And as soon as he can cut off that source, it's just a matter of time. He's got us. And that's what they would do. So this is already happening. And then all of a sudden, they go to Egypt. And 
Can you imagine the collective sigh of relief on the part of Judah? (gasps) They're gone. We can go outside now and go to the store now. And I'm not going to keep going there with that, but you get the point, right? Even Jeremiah is attempting to travel outside the city to go to Anathoth, where he had purchased real estate while he was in prison. (laughs) It's a fascinating account just in that. And he stopped, and eventually he's thrown back in prison, couldn't travel. But they were going back to normal, business as usual. Hey, the restrictions have been lifted. The Babylonians have left. Happy days are here again. And then God says to Jeremiah, you you better tell the king, thus says the Lord, don't be deceived. They're coming back. They're coming back. Don't get too comfortable. They're going to take the city and they're going to burn the city exactly as I've had you prophesy for some 40 plus years. Normal isn't back. They'll be back. Do you see the connection here? But they didn't believe it. Now why do I point this out and make this comparison? Because we're like the Israelites, thinking that prophecy in the word of the Lord about the return of the Lord is not as near as we thought. Because after all, things are kind of loosening up and getting back to some semblance of normalcy. But the problem is, if we believe it's not the end, and the end is afar off, and our master delays his coming, then sort of by default, we redirect our focus on this world and the things of this world, because we're going to be here for a while. And this lends itself to still holding out hope for this world, and in this world, under the banner of building back better. Then, when this happens, we're no longer hoping for the rapture, but instead hoping for things to get better. Actually, if I can take this one step further, this can even lead to fighting so as to make life better down here, in lieu of fighting the good fight for eternal life up there. I think you would agree that when things start getting better in this life, we give little to no thought about salvation and eternal life. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that. But conversely, When adversity strikes and hardship hits, and adversity does strike and hardship does hit, we're more likely to loosen our ever-tightening grip and let go of this world and the things of this world. The Apostle John and the Apostle Peter write about this 
concerning one's love for this world and one's hope in this world. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. And I want you to pay particular attention to what he says next, because it's kind of uh, intense. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wait, what? So, yeah, I mean, I kind of love my life in this world, want to keep my life in this world. Well, Jesus said, if you try to keep it, you'll lose it. If you lose it, you'll keep it. But John here is echoing, in a sense, what the Savior said, but he takes it to a whole new level in a way, because what he's saying is, if you love the world, you cannot love the Lord. It's one or the other. It's reminiscent of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, it's recorded in that Sermon on the Mount, where he says, you cannot serve two masters. It's either one or the other. It's an impossibility. So if you're loving the world, then you cannot love the Lord. It's impossible. And by the way, James, you want to talk about taking it to a whole new level. I mean, he's in your face, in Jesus' name, of course. You're friends with the world? You're sending the world friend requests on social media? Beware when all men speak well of you, but if you're friends with the world, then you're at enmity with God. And guess what? I'm uh, softening it up just a little bit. He calls them adulterers and adulteresses because they're committing spiritual adultery with the world. They have a lover. It's the world. And this is, in effect, what Peter is saying. And then he goes on to expound why. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, all that is in the world, (laughs) the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And here's the thing, verse 17, the world is passing away, translated dying, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The Apostle Peter, we've gotten to know Peter as of late, in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 13. He says, therefore, keyword, prepare, that's prepping, your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope, not some of your hope, most of your hope, no, all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is, wait for it, revealed. That's the rapture. The revealing, the appearing, that's not the coming of Christ, that's the second coming. No, this is the appearing, the rapture. So 
You do need to prepare, and the battleground is in the mind. And this is when the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians chapter 4, basically says, you need to discipline your mind. Pardon me, it's not Philippians, it's Timothy. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a disciplined mind. We discipline our mind like we discipline our children. That's not okay. You need to give your mind a spanking. You need to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. There needs to be a discipline there. You cannot let things in your mind. You know, so many of us are are very health conscious about what we allow into our bodies, but we give no thought to what we allow into our minds. So it's a disciplined mind, a prepared mind. Prepared for what? It's preparing yourself to set all your hope in Jesus and the rapture when He's revealed. That's what he's saying. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though... <laughs> Outwardly we are wasting away. Can I get an amen on that one? Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. I really get an amen on that one, right? Can't wait. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, verse 6, here's the point. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, this world, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen, we're just renting. I know this is a ludicrous illustration, but for lack of a better one, um, you go and you rent a car if you can find one. (laughs) Anyway, so you rent a car, and it's just a rental car. But you go out and spend all this money on nice fancy wheels. Uh, You're going to put in nice tunes. Oh, pardon me, I stand corrected. My boys corrected me. You guys called them tunes in your day? We don't call them tunes anymore. Oh, excuse me. What do you guys call them? Sounds. Oh, fine. Excuse me whatever. So you're going to put sounds in there. I mean, an elaborate, you know, stereo system. And, you know, while you're at it, you're going to get some accessories and, you know, maybe put a kit on there and lower it and, you know, tint the windows. And how am I doing so far? Good. Are you with me? Why? It's a rental car. You're not going to have it that long. It's temporary. It's temporary. Same thing with renting a house. You're going to remodel a house that you're renting? Why would you do that? You're only renting. You're only passing through. You're here but for a short time. In comparison to eternity, why is it that our focus, our hope, our time, our energy, our investment. We fix our eyes on these things down here that are temporary at the expanse of that which is eternal. You've been listening to a Prophecy Update with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. 
as you continue to learn about the things that are happening all around us and how that relates to the Bible, take some time to pray for this nation and for the world as a whole. How all the details will play out is still unknown, but God treasures the prayers that are offered on behalf of His people and the world around them. Continue to delve deep into God's Word on your own and gain some useful insight about these things in addition to what you hear from Pastor J.D. Are there some things that you heard today that really touched home in your heart that you'd appreciate some prayer over? We'd be honored to pray for you. Let us know what those requests are by going to jdfarag.org and then fill out the form under contact. Once again, that website is jdfarag.org. You can also find us on social media. You'll find links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. If you're wanting to access these things on the go, we have a mobile app that's available for iPhone and Android users. Just look under the resources tab. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for joining us. We look forward to our next edition where you'll get the opportunity to hear more insightful things about the days that we're living in and how that intersects with what's been predicted in the Bible. Join us again here on In Spirit and Truth.